there's a horrible stereotype of both the romance writer and the romance reader as somehow undereducated and unprofessional, when in fact there are a number of incredibly well-educated professional women who have chosen to leave their other careers and go into writing romance. That was author Lauren Willig, and I'm ABA Journal podcast editor Lee Rawls. Today on the Modern Law Library podcast, in honor of Valentine's Day, I'm speaking with four lawyers-turned-romance novelists. Lauren was attending Harvard Law when her first novel sold, and ran into that misconception about romance novelists firsthand. Well, I got that in law school only from one person, a guy in my section, who was not the brightest dish in the drawer, who, when the news got out about my book deal, um, and I, I published under my own name, so it was all over the place, and he said, oh, so you're writing one of those sex books. I was like, no, no, it's a romance novel. There's a difference. And then I graduated magna cum laude, and he didn't get honors, and he stopped being quite so snarky. Grace Burroughs says that being a lawyer directly influenced her decision to write romance. I'm a child welfare attorney, and the courtroom is a miserable place. Many of the situations that I deal with do not turn out well. Um, And, uh, you know, some do, but it's one of those all the king's horses and all the king's men often can't make a good outcome for these kids. So I desperately need a happily ever after. I desperately need relief from my reality. And uh, commercial fiction does that for you if it's well written. And the one thing a romance novel guarantees is that happy ending. So it's very gratifying to disappear into that world for a while. But the other thing is, as a lawyer, you have two primary skills uh, that you either develop successfully or you get out of the business and one is the ability to think analytically your clients come to you with problems how can you solve them mitigate them end them find a solution and the other is your primary weapon in the courtroom is words it's your sword and your shield you start out with opening arguments you end with closing arguments Um, you cross-examine by virtue of a dialogue and so you are to some extent a wordsmith if you are a courtroom attorney. So for me, those things have come together, the need for a happily ever after place, the ability to think analytically, and uh, um, a real affection for words. And it just seems like, well, where do those all come together? When you're writing romance novels, you're in your happy place. I asked Julie James why she thought there were so many lawyers writing romance novels. I think part of what it is is that um, there just are a lot of ex-lawyers who write in general. I think you find that in all the genres, um, particularly in fiction. Um, and uh, I think one thing that romance can author can offer to women authors is I think you can get really great heroines in this genre. And again, not saying you can't find that in other genres of fiction. Of course you can. But I think that is something that I see a lot of in romance, Um, the opportunity to write some really great, strong female characters and great heroines and interesting heroines and heroines who are doing interesting things. And so maybe that's part of it. I know that's certainly one aspect that appeals to me. Lauren Willig says that one of the skills she picked up in law school, which has helped her the most, is in research. Being able to absorb information quickly. Um, As a historical fiction writer, that's been incredibly useful because my books have been now set in all sorts of time periods. My long-running Pink Carnation series 
is set during the Napoleonic Wars, but in a whole bunch of different countries. There's one in India, one in Ireland, a bunch in England and France. I have another book set in 1920s Africa, one in 1840s England, and I have often very little time to get my research done. And I found the experience of cramming for class in law school actually translates well to absorbing material that then I need to use for my book. So you sit there and you learn how to pick out the plums, how to um, extricate the really good bits. The same way in law school, as you'll remember, we sat there desperately trying to skim for the holding. And so I basically do the equivalent of skimming for the holding when I'm researching for my novels. And I pick off the facts that I need to use to create a convincing world that way without bogging down in all the in-between stuff. How does a novelist's legal background pop up in their books? I asked Grace Burrows and Courtney Milan. There are um, what the romance folks call Easter eggs in the book. In the books, uh, many authors do this. Virgil did this, writing a zillion years ago, where if somebody is sort of um, in the know, they'll see that line of dialogue as a lawyer joke um, or as a defense of lawyers. Uh, They will see an allusion to the common law that, oh, yeah, everybody had that in first-year contracts. Even when I try not to use it, it shows up. I think one of the ones that I put in that just about every lawyer who ever read it immediately contacting me about was I, I, I made fun of the rule against perpetuities in one of my books. And so there were a lot of people who were like, oh, thank you. That made it worth, worth learning about it in the first place. It's the only thing that ever has. I asked Courtney Milan what misconceptions people have about the romance genre. So I, w- I would just say, I think the big thing about romance is people see it as sort of like this monolithic entity um, when they haven't read it. And it's like every other genre in the world. There's some good romance. There's some bad romance. There's some feminist romance. There's some non-feminist romance. It just spans the whole range. Um, yeah, you know, don't don't judge the genre by a single book, just as you wouldn't with any other genre. For Julie James, the misconception she encountered was about lawyers themselves. One thing that was really interesting was that when I started writing with lawyers as characters, and my books are, um, they tend to be fun. They tend to be very um, dialogue-driven, lots of back-and-forth banter between the hero and heroine. Um, and I had several fans write and say something along the lines of, I didn't know lawyers could be funny, um, or I didn't know lawyers could be sexy. <laughs> and it was just interesting to hear people say that. And so maybe there wasn't a lot of portrayal of lawyers in, like, romantic comedy-type settings. Lauren also weighed in on misconceptions. There's the stereotype of the romance novelist as um, lounging on a chaise long in a feather boa, when most of the romance novelists I know are actually incredibly hardworking people. It's a very demanding industry, and it's become even more so over the past few years. People think that any novel is easy to write, and somehow romance in particular as a category as view- is viewed as something you can just, you know, run off on a weekend, when in fact it's a job like any other, and people sit there and they work and they work and they work at their craft. Grace Burroughs sees one more reason why lawyers may be so attuned to romance novels. When all else fails, when your marriage is on the rocks, when you're out of sorts with your business partner, when you have violated the social contract, and you know the pastor, the neighbors, the counselors, the diversion program, it has all failed, you end up in the lawyer's office. And that means 
the lawyer has a lot of experience with broken relationships and broken people. And most romance novels start off, um, they, they are built around one or both protagonists defining wound or defining trauma. And uh, the premise is that we can transcend those wounds and traumas. And this is certainly something that's helpful to have um, as a lawyer, is a belief that people can grow and change, that um, you can defeat the odds, you can go straight, even if you've been to prison many times. You can This time rehab can work. This is the marriage that's going to hold together. Uh, a certain optimism makes the practice of law much easier. This podcast was brought to you by the ABA Journal. For more podcasts on the legal issues of the day, visit us online at abajournal.com or subscribe for free to the ABA Journal podcast on iTunes.